Welcome everybody to the N Word for Nerd podcast. Nerds. We we have done it. We have officially done it. And I know you're saying, what have you done, Jason? What have we done? We made it. Well, well, I mean, that's for the the other episode. But (laughs) we made it to episode 50, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, yes. 50 episodes in the tank. I know, right? I know. It's a huge accomplishment. I mean, most podcasts don't make it this far, and we have made it this far, and we appreciate everybody who's been rocking with us. But if this is the first time listening, we are a show by, for, and produced by Blurbs. If you don't know what a blurb is. It's a black nerd. Blurred. Yeah. There you have it. It's actually a there Comic-Con, actually, called Blurred, Blurred Con in D.C., which you are from, that we should yes. probably go one day. Absolutely. Because, I know. mean, Chocolate City, you know, so yeah. we, that, that's a perfect spot for it to be. I actually <laughs> did see that, too, the other day, and I'm like, oh, that'd be something interesting that if we were to go, we can expense all of it. And write yeah, it all off. It all the off. government <laughs> loves it. The government loves us. Taxes. Uh, <laughs> be, be like Jamie Lee Curtis in in, in everything and just circle it. Give it <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> and, and if you happen to write off stuff and get some money back from the government, please spend some of that money on Nerd Focus. We have a link in the description. You get your mm. case here. It's smarter than energy. Helps me produce this show. Helps me edit this show, really. Because usually <laughs> when this show's over, I'm going to pop a nerd focus and get my ass editing so we can get this show out to you on time. Um, also, you can check out also one of our vendors, inyourfaceart.com. Yep, yep, yep. I actually bought it. I actually ordered some another, uh, another round of shirts for my daughter and myself. So hopefully that'll be coming in soon. I have one called the Blue Squad. So all these characters that are, you know, blue is their prominent color. All on the shirt, and then my daughter ordered a a Naruto one that was looking pretty dope. That I'm mad that I didn't scope out first because I would have <laughs> bought it for myself. And everybody's like, "Oh, you could have just got one," but I'm like, "I'm not into that whole family dressing together thing." So, oh, that's weird. That's for white people, man. <laughs> yeah. So she got it first. She claimed it. It's all hers. But again, that'll be a link in the description too for inyourfaceart.com. Well, in your I got face. that all out the way. Oh, I guess the one thing, too, if you broke like myself, Jason, I can't speak for him, but he likes to say he's broke as well. I'm broke as hell. I'm broke. I'm beyond broke. <laughs> I need y'all to come up here and leave likes and subscribes, y'all. <laughs> All right. There you go. There you Get go. Likes, Please tell what the, the broke ninjas. What can you do? Get your engagement because that's what YouTube likes, and they will give us money based on all y'all likes and stuff and shit. So y'all like, subscribe, comment. You know, it, it's 2022. I shouldn't have to tell mm-hmm. you guys what to do. Y'all know what to do by now. Unless you're my mother, you have to hit the little bell, mom. Okay? <laughs> we, we And we like monies. And when we get monies, we reinvest back into the community. So, you know, oh, maybe know. you want to go to the BlurbCon <laughs> with us after you made us millionaires. I'm fine buying a couple extra tickets for BlurbCon for friends of the show that want to come and go to BlurbCon with us. So... Just think about will, it as an investment, an investment in yourself that invests in, in, in us. I will completely sell out, guys. Uh, after, if we get any sort of <laughs> any sort of money, any sort of fame, I will be a complete shill for whoever pays the most money. <laughs> oh, and then I guess I did the cardinal sin of a host. I didn't even introduce who the co-host is. But if you, if it's episode 50, if you don't know who this man is, you need to learn. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. We got... The Duke of all nerds, Jason. What's going on, my man? Top of the morning to you. It's going great. <laughs> happy, 
after Easter, I suppose. <laughs> yes, yes. He has risen and become a zombie. Actually, <laughs> I wasn't Alex going to say point. it, but I was thinking it. <laughs> Alex had a good point because since, you know, Jesus came first, we should be calling zombies Jesus. Jesus is. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus is, is. We should no longer. It should be slow walking Jesus is, is, is or fast Jesus is. is, is. No longer zombies. There's actually a movie Jesus idea is, is, is. there that probably will not go anywhere, but there's a good movie idea because they did it with Dracula. Like, oh, Dracula's actually, you know, Judas from, you know, that's why he became Dracula. And then he was like, oh, you know where zombies come from? Jesus came out and was like, ah, I gotcha. <laughs> That's why he had to go in three days. He's going to start eating brains. He's like, ah, I can't put this scourge on humanity. I have to go home. Uh, Get out of here. <laughs> and there him goes and the our dog religious from future. the Simpsons all went to the moon. There you go. And that's how zombies were created. All right. Well, <laughs> someone somewhere is going to be like, man, I learned a lot about zombies this show. Um, but My everybody, yeah, but to... of all things, like, share, subscribe. Check out Nerd Focus. Check out In Your Face Art. And thank you all for listening to all of that crap. Now we can get to the fun part. The shows. The reviews. Why are you here? Again. <laughs> yes. And we have a jam-packed one for you. We got everywhere, everything everywhere all at once. We Which have the, the Secrets of Dumbledore. Yep, that is the movie title. <laughs> the Secrets of Dumbledore. We have Bel Air Season 1. And we have Woke Show on uh, Hulu Season 2. All about to be reviewed for you. All right. You. Specifically you, Dave. You. <laughs> when an interdimensional rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. As always, ladies and gentlemen, we start off every review with our one-sentence review. Jason, what is your one-sentence review of everything, everywhere, all at once? I never thought hot dog fingers could be so poignant. <laughs> um, my one sentence will be: everything is cool, everywhere is awesome, but it gave me too much all at once. <laughs> Not all at once, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump right into this one because I know we're going to differ a little bit on this one. Um, just to put you guys in a mind frame of what this movie is, this movie has a team on there that is called Hot Dog Fingers LLC. In the closing credits, it is a Hot Dog Fingers LLC in here. That is the type of movie you're going to get into, guys, ladies and gentlemen. So this movie was cool, but, you know, if you watch my Batman review, and I talked about all the cinema photography and the characters and everything was cool and everything was great, I just thought the movie was boring. Is it possible to go on to the completely other end of the spectrum? Where I thought all the characters were great. I thought all the, the all the music and the photography, the storyline was great, but it was too cool. And people go, Jason, how come movie be too cool? Like, if you would have made this movie into a bunch of shorts, it just been like, hey, every universe was a short and just showed the cool stuff in the universe. I'm like, that's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, look what they did with that effect. Look how they used the camera in that angle. Oh, look how they do this. Oh man, this this reality has this going on. But when you put it all into a movie all at once, it was cool, but it was like some of the universes overstayed their welcome. After the oh, usefulness yeah. of the universe was done, and they kept going back to them as if we needed closure for these universes that we only stole abilities from. And I get it. It was cool stuff in each of these universes they kept going back to. 
but I I didn't care anymore. I was like, okay, cool. We're, we're back here again. Oh, ha, that's a funny gag. And I would think it would never be mentioned again, but nope, nope, nope. Give about 15 more minutes. We're going to go gonna, back. and We're going to run this one <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> right, right, right. So it, it it bothered me. It almost made me, it, no, not almost, it made me beg for just, just going straight with the storyline. Like, I, at one point, I'm just like, please just let's stop doing other universes let's just let's just let's stay where we are and, and fix the stuff that's going on where it is or like the main i guess i'm gonna say it's like three real main ones that really feed into the the, the one that overall works it, it, I, I would say it's like almost that these filmmakers were a part of a circle jerk <laughs> and what was shot out from the circle jerk became the cool shit in this movie because it is it literally is like what well, in and that's why I'm so torn, because the cool, cool stuff guy in me is like, it's so much in here to love. It's so great. The other side of me is like, why do we need all of that cool stuff? You could have made two movies and kind of left some of those ideas and recycled them into another movie, and it still would have worked. Or just take them out completely. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. But I do want to give a shout out to my man, Short Round. Look. He is amazing in this movie. When I found out that he retired from acting and came back for mm -hmm. this movie, I guess they said Crazy Rich Asian, how popular that was, kind of reinvigorated him to want to act again because I guess he was upset about how the stereotypical roles he was getting at the time when he when he left. He was Dude, a stereotype for movies. a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, short round, if people don't know, uh, kid from the Goonies. I mean, we can Data. go to the list, but look, he needs to stay in acting because... When I tell you guys his performance here is a masterpiece. It is scenes in this movie where he has to switch between multiple characters at multiple times. The camera doesn't cut. So he literally has to do this in real time. And I know they had the gimmick of him putting on his glasses. But even before that happened, from his mannerisms, from the way he spoke his first words, you can tell he was a different character. And it was so amazing. It was so beautiful to watch. And if you are... An actor who's out there in the game watching the performances between him and Michelle Yoy is an acting clinic. And I want to say this for Michelle. We should have already given her a house full of flowers, but we need to <laughs> give her a block full of flowers after this performance, too. Because, again, all of her characters felt completely different to the point that if they didn't have the same face, you would not think they were anywhere related to each other in any way, cause of fashion of it's almost baffling how these two actors, and, and, and I think everybody, the whole cast acted very well, so let me not knock that, but I'm yeah. just saying, these two in particular, it's almost baffling how good they were in this movie. And what bothers me even more is that a lot of the stuff that I'm complaining about is the stuff that made them so good in it because those, <laughs> those scenes I didn't want in the movie were some of the scenes that helped make the acting so good. And that's what why I say this movie has me so heartbrokenly split it's not me just saying it to be a jerk. It's me saying it because I love almost everything about this movie. I just feel like it. It's it's it not a everything movie. at it's, once. <laughs> right, right, right. It is a movie for cinephiles. If you are not a cinephile, don't see this movie. If you are a casual moviegoer, or you're one of those people that feel like they're a, you know a snouty moviegoer, but they're really not. They're really kind of middle brow movie. Don't see this movie. If you are a cinephile that you like highbrow stuff. You enjoy things like characters. Uh, you enjoy things like just good, cool shots. You enjoy things that, like, 
I would say this. The things that made me love movies is what this movie has in spades. The wonderment, the amazement, the awe, how they shot, how they performed. It seemed like every single shot in this movie had a purpose beyond just showing you. And it, it's all through this movie, and it's so great. But if you can't capture those moments in your in your visual watching of this, you're going to hate this movie because it is a <laughs> lot, a lot of bloat. A lot of bloat. And a lot of the bloat is cool stuff, like I said, but it's still bloated. Um, I'm going to save my rating till we go to the end like we always do. Jason, what are your thoughts, man? Let me start off by saying I I love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. I will never watch it again. <laughs> I will never, ever, ever watch this movie again. And I absolutely adore this movie. This this is the kind of stuff like this movie is it's it, if we boil down to it, it's it's about family emotional trauma, which always gets me, but it's absolutely. presented in a way that is so fantastical, so out there that you don't really get it until like they hit you over the head with it at the end that this is what the movie was about. And uh what I mean, like there is so much there is like the title says all it needs to say about this movie because there is so much. This is a very, very dense movie with a lot of stuff going on, which basically only boils down to mom and daughter don't get along. <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> but I mean, Jason put it on the head. Uh the actor's name is Ke Huang Kwong, and he hasn't acted in what thirty years, forty years uh, almost yeah, at this point. Yeah, and he must have took that forty years to, to just study acting and movie making <laughs> yeah. because he is. I mean, like, I I am going to gloat about him, but like everybody else is also very very good in this as well. Mm-hmm. But like, he is like this. He is the the emotional linchpin of this whole entire story, and he plays it so well uh, and he's playing a couple of different characters all in the same body and it's just like between as jason said he switches back and forth with almost like an effortless ease to it like as if he was actually those two different people and it's mm-hmm. like and you can tell you can see him of it's it's like and there's nothing there's no effects going on it's just with his acting that you can tell that the characters have switched you know, and it's and ah, oh, it is so amazing, so amazing to see this. He goes, he uh works with Michelle Yeoh so well, and it's it's you believe like these people are real, which is you know the point of acting in in any movie. You believe these people. I I I stop saying, oh, that's data from fucking uh, Goonies. No, that is Waylon from yep. Alphaverse, and that is Waylon from this universe, like. <laughs> And 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 everybody is like this, but he's just the one that stood out the most. Like even Jamie Lee Curtis, she was great, and she just has this very kind of minor role. Michelle Yeoh is immaculate, you know. As Jason said, she needs all the awards in the world. I mean, she's already needed all the awards in the world. She's great at everything she does. She just shows it in this. And even um, Stephanie—I can't pronounce the last name. Sue, I guess it's Sue. Mm-hmm. Like, oh God, like. Even I mean, even her performance, even though it's it's less as detailed as the other two, it's she is so good in this. It is everything about this is awesome. 
but there's some weird shit going on in this movie as well. Hundred <laughs> percent. There's 100%. some weird <laughs> shit in this movie as well, and like it makes sense for what the story is t- trying to tell, mm-hmm. but there's some stuff where I I cringed. There's some stuff that I would not suggest watching. <laughs> there's some stuff that just it just fell out. Don't make no damn sense. Why? How this got past the studio board and saying, "Oh yeah, this is a good, this is a good idea to put in the movie," and which makes me even wonder, like, what's the shit they cut out? Like, what's the stuff that was in the original <laughs> screenplay where the 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 studio exec of A twenty four was like, "No, nah, we can't do that at all." Because you right, know they had right. to cut some stuff out. Because this right. is what we get on the screen is a sanitized version of what the writer originally wrote and whatever he had in there originally must have been so out of this world that like they had to, they had to ring it rail it in or something like that but i mean yes for god's sakes we have a fight scene with people with butt plugs in their butts like we have a fight scene with Dil- and oh let me get also to the stunt work in this <laughs> yes. is oh my god some so of the great. best stunt work that I've seen, because a lot of the stuff is like practical stunt works. People taking, you know, face plants and doing bumps and all sorts of good, good stunt work. And it's just like, and the choreography and the kung fu. the The best fight is the the uh, the first fight scene with the fanny pack, just <laughs> so good. But then there's still still some really good stuff in here. There's dildo fighting. It's weird as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is absolutely. weird as fuck but uh for me i did uh it does hit a very very emotional core to it i did cry like four times during this movie <laughs> like, <laughs> and not just like <laughs> go ahead jason <laughs> i was gonna say do you think this movie is gonna make dizzy be like huh you know what a live action version of ratatouille probably isn't the best idea <laughs> <laughs> probably not the best idea oh my god and even though <laughs> That joke was was rolling to the ground. <laughs> oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Raccoon Atui. It's like, no, it's Ratatouille. No, it's Raccoon <laughs> She's seen too much. We got to kill her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, it, it's... It, it's, oh, it's, it's funny. It has heart. It had, pretty much has everything you want in a movie. It also has all that stuff in spades, and there might be just a little bit too much of it. That's that's the problem. Because <laughs> as I said, you get what you get on the ten. Everything, everywhere at once, you get it all, and you better mm-hmm. you you better just open your mouth and just just you know relax the jaw and just take it all in. Because <laughs> if you try <laughs> if you try to get little pieces, you're gonna choke to death. <laughs> right. Yeah, just take but, those hot dog fingers right down the throat, bro. <laughs> Oh, gross. So gross. And the, the paper cuts. Oh, God. There's just yeah, so yeah. much going on. And it's it's kind of hard just like as much as I enjoy this movie, like as Jason said, this is definitely for a particular type of person. Uh, you're, you're, my mom's not going to like this movie. <laughs> no, no, oh, no. Yeah. And, you know, like your parents aren't probably going to like this movie. Uh, you know, you're, you're, yeah, as you said, you're, you're serious, like casual film goer who wants to see a film that is just for fun is probably not going to like this movie, Mm-mm. but Mm-mm. there is so much to love here that it's, it's hard to say it's, I'm in, I'm in a two minds too. Cause it's like, I will never watch this movie again. <laughs> I want people to see it. I would, I won't suggest it to them either. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just so much going on. It's like, I would they think I'm weird for suggesting this movie to them? And then right, like, right. The I feel like people the hell will you judge just you. Me to watch here? Like, right. I can't. <laughs> I can't tell my brother Maurice to watch. Maurice would say, "What the fuck you just? What you? What you say me to? <laughs> right, Why'd you watch? Right. Let me watch that dumbass movie." Like, and it's like, <laughs> oh, it's just it's it's kind of frustrating in that way. But yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> all right, what was your rating of everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once? This is hard. This is very hard. I give it. A, I give it a five out of five. Only because of the performances of the actors. And that is what I'm solely basing this on. As a movie, you could you could give it any it, it could go from a one to a five, depending on what you like. <laughs> but based on the solely <laughs> of the actors, five out of five. I'm I'm a cheat code here. If you're a cinephile, like get myself, Jason, I saw it with my buddy Alex and all that, and he was like well, if you like this so much, why are you like so distraught? And I'm like, I do a show with reviews, and I have to go when I do a review, I have to take an account that everything that I like isn't what everybody likes, and what everything that I hate isn't what everybody hates. And I was like, and a lot of times I go, some things just aren't for me. If you're not a cinephile, this is not for you. If you're a cinephile, five out of five, rush out, go see it, and enjoy it. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll cheer. All, all the feels that you want to build about a movie, you'll have it. Run out and see it. If you are not a cinephile and you just casually go to the movies because you just want to release and just to hang out and just to see something that is relatable to you, one out of five because you will hate this movie. And like, like Jason just said, you will go to us and say, how did you get this movie a five out of five? This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Like I told Coach Boo, who was our guest oh, last week, don't, don't see this movie, <laughs> don't bro. Give a he don't like that goofy stuff. You will be nah, bro. You will be mad that I told you to go. So I'm gonna split it. I'm I'm a broken man, but five out of five for my cinephile people. One out of five. If you're not a cinephile, you probably want to duck this movie. <laughs> it's funny because like when we when me and my friends exit this movie, we were kind of like horrified. And like <laughs> as we went to to Waffle House and we started out sitting down, we started digesting it. Like my buddy James, like. I actually really like this movie, but <laughs> and right. I was like, "Yep," <laughs> and that's the way. It's like, at, at, at once you get out of it, you're like, "What the fuck did I just see?" And as you sit with, it, it's like, "I actually really like this movie," <laughs> but hot dog fingers, everybody. All right, Professor Albus Dumbledore knows the powerful dark wizard Gilbert Grindelwald is moving to seize control of the Wizarding World. Unable to stop him alone, he entrusts magic zoologist Newt Scamander to lead an intrepid team of wizards. There you go. And uh, witches, they soon encounter an array of old and new beasts as they clash with Grindelwald's growing legion of followers. As always, like we say, before we get the full review, we give you a one-sentence review. So, Jason, what is your one-sentence review of The Secrets of Dumbledore? They should fire J.K. Rowling. Just fire. All right. My one sentence review of the secrets of Dumbledore is the secrets of Dumbledore was a uh, secret. I'm sorry. The secrets of Dumbledore was fantastically boring and he <laughs> is beastly inadequate as a leader and fuck that animal that says otherwise. <laughs> Jason, 
Yes. What is your review of this, the Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore? Oh, God, I have so much to say. I'm going to actually try to stay away from just J.K. Rowling as a person in her current, and, and even probably even my current sort of thoughts around the Harry Potter uh, mythos, um, and, and try to specifically s- stick to this movie, per se. Okay. Um, this movie, the fir- let's, let's, I'm going to start off firstly with just how it looks. This movie is bland. It looks bland. It looks boring. It's overly dark, as in the look of it. And mm-hmm. it, it in no way to me resembles like Harry Potter. And I know this is supposed to be like an adult version of Harry Potter, but adult does not mean browns and grays and and, and blacks. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. For once, like when we had like, you know, when we had the original uh, a Potter, Potter movies. Oh, someone's calling me. <laughs> right when I'm doing a show. When I had we had the original Potter movies, you know, there's a fantastical element not only into the world that was built, but also in the costume designs, you know, the sets that were made. Like, you know, Dumbledore was this weird guy in these wizard's robes. It was a lot of the of the um sort of uh nomenclature is the word I'm thinking of, but it's not really nomenclature, but a lot of the trappings of things we know about witches and wizards in a real life, and we took it into a place and made it even more fanciful in a world that is resembling of ours, but also very much different. This one, everybody's just in fucking suits. You know? In black and brown. The most colorful suit is worn by Newt Scamander, which is a dark blue. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you you traded this fanciful, and like even going to Dumbledore, you traded this fanciful, kind of goofy, weird, uh, ignomatic person for... Very straight Jude Law in a sweater vest, <laughs> and that and that's supposed to be the the best wizard of all time. So the look of this is already has already pretty much turned me off. And then the story is as nonsensical and as asinine as it could possibly be. Um, nothing makes sense in this movie. Uh, I even it was confusing at points. I turned to to the people I was watching with some friends, and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like I have no idea what's going on, and I, and I'm not. I mean, I'm not the smartest dude in the world. You know, I'm not the number one authority on movies. I have studied the things, so I have some idea of what I'm talking about. But I was completely lost, like through halfway through this movie. Like, what the fuck is actually going on here? Like, and and it was very very annoying. Like some of the payoffs that were at the end of the movie didn't work. Uh, the characters were were bland and they're it was just like I guess what they were trying to do, and I don't want to make this entirely JK Rowling's fault in writing this screenplay and the story for this, because it could just be like a lot of stuff was left on the cutting floor. But mm-hmm. like a lot of the stuff is like it seemed like they're trying to do a heist movie, but they didn't understand how heist movies work. So when you get to the part where everything's paying off, it's like, no, you didn't not not only did you not set this up. You know, you basically the thing that we thought was going to happen is happening, and there's no like twist or turn or anything. The guy you thought was going like you set it up like you think like this guy is supposed to betray them, but from the whole entire get to the thing, you know he's on their side, and it's not like he even has an opportunity to betray him. The person who mm-hmm. comes up with the thing at the end was the person who had the thing the whole entire time, so it's not like a yeah. surprise that that person was there. Like, and then there's all these like and. 
J.K. Rowling is 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 uh she does this a lot in the books and stuff like that. These Deus Ex Machinas where just shit just happens and it's like, oh, magic. But at the end, it's like, yep, magic. <laughs> this is why we can do this now because, oh, we didn't talk about this at all at first. Like, there's no setup. There's no payoff. And this is like, especially coming from the last movie to this one, they, and I didn't like the last movie at all because it ended on this really stupid note where characters made decisions that were completely dumb. Then they did this whole thing that doesn't make any sense. And then in this movie, uh, that just not even an inconvenience. Uh, in fact, nope, I don't nope, even nope. know. Uh, they found out this this thing, this very important thing. And I guess we'll go into spoilers after this because I don't give a shit about spoilers. But, and it's like, hey, how'd you all find out that this, that this character even knew that? Let alone, how'd y'all even care to find out like what the actual situation was? And it's like, Y'all don't tell nobody. It's, uh, it's, uh, the, you know what's great about this movie? Uh, freaking Dan Fogler. That's Jacob Kowalski. <laughs> He's great. He is. He, he is. He is awesome. He is. He is. He is the the best part of it. And even this movie, you can kind of see he's folding it in. Hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Uh, freaking 100%. Um, Ezra Miller. Uh, they seem like they were trying to get him out of this movie as quickly as possible. Maybe they realize that his behavior is is not enough to get him fired, but enough that they don't want to be associated with him more. He's barely in this movie, and it's and it's very very apparent they were just like cut this dude out. Um, Mads I'll be Mikkelsen, shocked if he's in the next one. I'll be shocked. He's not going to be in the next one. It's yeah. I, Mads Mickelson. Um. Ah. Yeah. Blah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Is he better than Johnny Depp? Maybe. I don't know. There's not a lot of here. <laughs> I'll admit I like Matt, Matt Nichols, Nicholson in this one, but I'll wait till my turn and uh, go over that. <laughs> Can I have my time? Can I have my time? <laughs> um, the one black character, well, they had two black characters, but one black character with a speaking part, I don't even know the actress's name, uh, Jessica Williams. I know the accent. Yeah, she yeah. is doing this accent that is so, like, obviously forced. It's like it just every time she speak, you're like, oh, this is a movie, and she's doing an accent, and like it is so out of place. And it's like, why you just didn't talk normally? Because everybody else is just using their regular old fucking accents, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's I have like a critique on her as well. That, <laughs> and then let's get to the nitpicky parts for me as a as a nerd, as a as a somewhat fan of Harry Potter. Oh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna. Bring that in. I I'm a huge fan of Harry Potter. Um, mm. I, you know, I I for the longest time looked past a lot of the, uh, let's say downright weird shit that's in these books that are you know, you know like you know the slaves that want to be slaves and the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the the obvious reference to Jewish people as greedy little goblins. Uh, I've overlooked those things in the past, but so I'm a huge fan. But in this movie, they're just like, they change a lot of the already established sort of lore in things. Like, Grindelwald is probably the best dark wizard of all time because compared to Voldemort in this movie, because Voldemort only wanted to take over England. <laughs> that was his goal. <laughs> and he did that, but Grindelwald was like, nah, man, I'm going for the world. So it's like, and <laughs> which could directly, like, you know, directly, uh, contradicts 
what is written in the books because like in the Harry Potter universe, like people barely even knew who Grindelwald Grindelwald was unless you were from Eastern Europe. <laughs> like like Crumb even says, Oh, you guys don't really know about him because he wasn't really big here in England, but like he was a really bad motherfucker where I come from. And it's like, and no, everybody should know who this dude is. He tried to literally take over the world. Like he was literally like for a few moments, like the leader of every wizard in the entire world. And it's like, uh, like why? Like it's your shit. She's worse than George Lucas at this point. Like at least there's something I like about the fucking prequels. Like, yeah, there's a lot of cool shit in the prequels, right? There's a lot of dumb shit, but there's a lot of cool shit. There's no cool shit. There's no cool shit. And it's it's like just fire her. Like Warner Brothers, buy, give her four billion dollars to tell her to go take a fucking break, go and count your <laughs> money somewhere, and then and then give it out to someone else. Because <sighs> I can't. What is the crazy thing about it? They they brought her back for this movie. She didn't write the first two. She wrote the first. They one. brought her back. It. No, no, she didn't write the first. The first two they oh. were written by somebody else. She inspired him, but she didn't write him. This is the first time she got a complete screenplay screenplay credit for these movies. So get the fuck out. take that with the way that you are. <laughs> no, no, get her the fuck out of here. Just stop. Like, like uh, she's problematic as it is, and I, you know, you might not care about like the things she says as a person, but like if you go through the books, there's there's some stuff that's really problematic. So like, just take her out of the picture and put somebody because there are people who are now. Who grew up these things? Who are now adults? Who have great ideas? You could probably take this this franchise in a great direction. She's not mm-hmm. in. Get it? Get her out. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's let's let me start off with first and foremost saying I fell asleep during this movie because it's some old good old bullshit. Let me <laughs> secondly say this isn't as bad as the crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, that's because bad. that was a complete. Utter like <laughs> trash can fire that I don't know how anybody like saw that movie and was like, yeah, that loyal fan base that's called Harry Potter, they'll be fine taking this piece of crap. <laughs> Here's the biggest problem with, okay, it's two biggest problems with all this. Let's go with the first biggest problem. First biggest problem is what you said. This is supposed to be a magical world, and it is crapola. <laughs> Even the fact that we are dealing with wizard Nazis again. Yeah. It should and- be in a situation that the world excites you, even though it has a grim subject matter, because we haven't gotten to the point where he's really even mobilized anything yet. So we should literally have a guess almost cheerful feeling about the world, even if the main characters feel dread, which is something that was fantastically done in the original Harry Potter when no one believed that Voldemort had returned. All the rest of the world moved on in a cheerful manner. While Harry and the people that knew that Harry was telling the truth felt the dread and the weight of their their knowledge. It's nothing cheerful about this movie ever. It's nothing magical, whimsical, nothing. Like, I still remember watching the original Harry Potter and watching the staircases, I mean, the stairwells and everything move as they go along. That is a simple nod that's like, this is magical. This looks cool. The pictures and photos moving. Like, little things that are put in the background that you don't even have to really do but you do it because you want to display a world as being lived in and being magical. There is nothing in this movies that even hints at anything in this world being magical, except for when they pull out a wand. Mm-hmm. That is the pits. I will even take the fucking Chamber of Secrets and all the bull crap I have wrong with that movie 
and enjoy that way more than I ever in any of these last two, especially. I That's what brings me to the worst one, but you, you can be <laughs> you do you. <laughs> right. Okay. If, if, if tomato tomato. That brings me to my second point. The second point of the problem is this. You should have made a decision, and they didn't make a decision, and that's why this thing is suffering. The decision should have been either we make a whole prequel about Dumbledore and Grindelwald, so you could have started off with their relationship and how Dumbledore pretty much was enabling Nazism because of Mm -hmm. love, and you could have played through this whole thing for five movies, and I would have been fine with it, ending with the duel and the battle, and like you can even have it at the end, a la Iron Man 3, where Dumbledore is is telling this story to somebody else in like, or maybe Snape, you know, maybe you do a G, you know, CG, Alan Rickman, he's telling his whole story. Anyway, it's, it's a beautiful way you could have told this story from beginning to end. That would have been very fascinating. The problem is you started off with the fantastic beast, which is not a bad issue. Then you know what? Stay with the fantastic beast. Stay with Newt as your main character. Give him three, four adventures of him just finding different mythical beasts. Hell, you can make this movie damn near Pokemon. Just without him capturing them all the time, but seeing it and then making his villains things like poachers, yes! dark magic wizards users that he's trying to stop from getting exotic beasts. Like how I remember Voldemort was drinking unicorn blood. Maybe he's trying to attack unicorns. From uh, it's so many ways you could have made this series, but you had to pick a lane. You can't do both the lanes and then think us to be like these are good movies because you're serving two masters and neither one of them are even holding hands. It, it boggles my mind. Right, right, right. It <laughs> boggles my mind that I can understand that concept, but people who are writing this movie or directing these movies or greenlighting these movies don't understand that. I know Fantastic Beasts, the first one, didn't do as great, so that's why they figured, oh, we need to throw familiar people and faces in here. I get it. But if you look back at the initial Harry Potter and all the initial movies, it didn't start really growing steam until, like you said, the second and third one, where people were like, oh, we have to go see these movies, and it was going crazy. The first Harry Potter sold very well, but it wasn't the blockbuster like the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh were. You sometimes have to slow roll it. Iron Man 1 wasn't the same blockbuster as the Avengers. You can slow walk some things with some success and build it up to be better. But they didn't want to do that, so they got panicked. They threw fucking Dumbledore in here. And like you said, you didn't even make Dumbledore quirky and cool. Dumbledore was the top of his class. He's a nerd. We don't like nerds in school. There's one trope in Hollywood that you should have continued was that the nerd was the outcast. So that would have made him and Grindelwald's falling in love a very easy thing because Dumbledore probably would have been looking for validation because he mm-hmm. probably didn't have all the friends he needed and he probably wasn't as popular as all the other kids because he was and a his quirky, family don't like magical, <laughs> genius nerd. Exactly. And his family didn't rock with him. So that made it easy for him to be easy swept up into Grindelwald and Grindelwald's theories about how the world should work. Once again, that's a great story to tell, but we didn't do it because we wanted to talk about Fantastic Beasts. But then we didn't want to talk about Fantastic Beasts because we wanted to talk about Dumbledore. And it just builds on top of each other until it gets into this turd of a movie we just had to sit through. The last thing I want to bring up is that I like Mads Magic for is Grindelwald because I could never see in a world where Johnny Depp's Grindelwald is fucking Jude Law's Dumbledore. Yeah. At least this one was a thing that I could see that they could be, they could look like Hannibal looked like he could be a Grindelwald, that they could have a relationship that you would have understood why they felt the way they felt about each other. Also, I think he plays the silent intimidation very, very weird, good for a wizard 
And, and I know it's going to shock people because people don't remember this. For a wizard in three movies that we've barely seen do really great magic. He's done a couple of wand Any flickers magic. that were destructive. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But it was nothing like, because Colin Farrell's version of him did a couple of flickers that were destructive. But nothing that we were like, why are people afraid of this dude? Like, why are people just bust this dude upside his head and call it a day? Like, this dude ain't showing no magical talent. What? But at least I can... his silent menace. Let's go, go ahead. If I can stop you just one second, one of the greatest strategies about this whole entire franchise is that Colin Farrell is not the main villain. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Especially after what he put in with the Penguin. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, but I didn't mind Hannibal. I thought he played the silent moments from To your point of our woman, Jessica Williams, because, you know, we're a blurb show. So let's talk about one of the black people. I agree with you with the accent, but I will give her this one thing. She is probably the only person in this movie that I thought thought was having fun and wanted to be whimsical and be magical oh, yeah. and be fun. She like you could tell she was like living in the moments of these moments in the movie, um, which was. Great. I agree with you on that. I agree with you hundred percent on that. The She's one, the, the bigger, the, the biggest issue then that kind of made me just really blow my gasket. Like it, it almost made me just want to walk out the theater, but I took my family and my daughters with me. So they give one of the characters a stick, and we probably because you see it on the the preview. Who yeah. gets this 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 wand? It's 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 Jacob Kowalski, Everybody, we we're not gonna yes. lie. Everybody else has wands. Who else wouldn't have yeah. a wand? <laughs> he gets this wand. This wand does nothing, and that not not when I say guys. When I say oh, he tries this something. It just like it's not like Ron Weasley ineffectively nothing because his wand's kind of broken. No, no. I mean the wand literally is a paperweight. It's a stick. <laughs> you know the wands you get at Universal. They do more than the one he got in this movie. Because these the ones in Universal, you can touch like glasses and water and stuff, and stuff happens. This one does nothing. The problem I have with this is that you've recruited a man, a muggle, for this dangerous mission. No reason. Like, you're stopping again a German, I mean, a, a Nazi wizard. You didn't have the decency to at least even put enchantments on this one for this guy. Maybe a protection spell. So if he actually got into some real stuff, something will come at him. The wall will put up a force field or something. Get something, anything, <laughs> anything. Maybe even maybe. Like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need a one. I got my. I got my nine. I... Right. Thank you. That's <laughs> what I'm gonna say. At this point, Jacob Krakowski should just got himself and got a gun. He should just pull out a Tommy gun and spray the whole scene down, and that would have been a more enjoyable movie for me. It should have been straight and glorious bastard style. Hitler's head getting shredded, and that should have ended the movie. And I'd have been like, "Thank God that they saved me an hour and a half because you gave this guy a stick. Honestly, no stick with enchantments, <laughs> nothing on here to defend himself. A stick, and you know why they gave him the stick, guys? They gave him the stick, and the reasoning was so if somebody asks you, so you could fit into the wizarding world. So we'll give you this stick. So if anybody sees you with this wand, they'll think you're a wizard. So you gave but him. No that's basically like saying. Yeah, yeah, like, no, one, I've never seen anybody be like, hey, I need to see your wand registration. Two, I've never seen the possibility of, like, you know what? Know what makes you more dangerous? You having a weapon where people think you can defend yourself with, and you can't defend yourself with it. That's what makes you more in danger. And even anyway, three, no one thinks he's a wizard in the whole thing. He, he literally tells everybody that he's not a wizard. Like, <laughs> that's what I thought. I thought the whole time be like. Yeah, I'm like, oh, they gave him this wand. I'm like, oh, it's going to come into play later on. Like, it's going to have some enchantments. Because let's be real. That's one thing I will give Dumbledore in this whole series from Harry Potter. He's always seemed to give, like, regular objects. They end up having alternative meanings or powers later on that can help. Maybe in the fourth movie it does because he does let him keep it. But let's say in his third movie, absolutely useless piece of 
trash. It is a paperweight. Again, the wands at Universal are more useful than the wand this Joker got in this movie. And let's also go with Dumbledore's plan here in this movie. I'm not going to go into spoilers, but it is absolutely like it. It, it makes it's what they're trying to say is that Dumbledore is clever, but what they show on the screen is Dumbledore is omnipotent because yes. everything that he has planned. There's no way he could have known this would have been gone, gone a while. And he somehow had the perfect thing for it. And it's just like... And it's like... it's like how Because the whole setup was that Grindelwald could see the future, so therefore they had to like counter him from seeing the future. But it's like, all this is so straightforward. It's like, how did he not see that that's what it was? Like... Uh. It's just, it's so funny. You know what? So the funny. plan of this movie is the plan they've had with this franchise. Hey, just everybody do a bunch of random stuff so nobody can predict what's going on, and maybe they will succeed. That is the <laughs> exact board mission they had in the, when they made this franchise. Because just no let one things seems... happen. Just let things happen. Yeah. It's, you know, and just, uh, let's just pull new shit out of our asses. Like, you know, let's just have characters fight uh, different universes or something. Uh, when in no point in any other part of the Harry Potter universe have they ever done this. Um, that just seems like a whole new thing that they can do, uh, which is weird. Also, can I make one last gripe? And it's something to do with this movie. It's just a Harry Potter thing. Can we stop having wizarding battles where they just shoot lasers at each other like it's G.I. Joe? Can we finally have a wizarding battle like a la Dumbledore and Voldemort? Like, can I get a wizarding battle where you actually see magical beings with high level competency in magic do magical fights because you know if i had had competency in magic magic i just wouldn't shoot a laser beam at you and go yeah. boom, 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 boom. like i would actually send you like a flaming dragon stream down and, like or and, make and the floor that you're standing on spikes or right you know <laughs> right. enchant or or make the the magical uh the the statues fight for me or i don't know make my dick bigger it, a lot of things yeah, I mean, it was one inspired fight in there with the marbles and throwing a guy into the wall, but that was in the trailer, so it doesn't even help me be yeah. like, well, they tried and something. even in you, that fight, it was all just pew, pew, pew until that guy gets put in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. So, all right. Jason, what is your rating for The Secrets of Dumbledore? Zero out of five. Fuck this movie. I'm right. I'm just be I'm 0.5 out of, out of five. Like, I can't. I can't. This movie's terrible. And the only reason I gave it a point five is because I think I would give the crimes of Grindelwald a zero, and it was better than that. <laughs> so I gave it a point five just no. because of that. Everybody gets zeros in my book. That gets a zero. This gets a zero. <laughs> Shit. The new video game gets a zero for me. I'm surprised. Like, I still eat Chick Fil A, so I'm not. You know, there's no such thing as ethical zeroism. But right. I shouldn't have gave this lady my money. <laughs> nah. Here's a better question. That's probably more entertaining than anything we saw in this movie. Um. Who is the worst leader of a, a legion, Dumbledore or Yoda? Who's the worst? Dumbledore, by far. Yoda made mistakes, but his okay. his heart was in the right place. <laughs> See, no, why? Why this is a compelling question for people just to go deeper into it is that yes, Yoda did make mistakes, but he did let a fall of an empire happen under his watch. Dumbledore is a completely inadequate leader, but he does seem to win. At the end of the day, all his plans do come to fruition, and he wins. That's yeah. what makes it hard, because the inadequacy of his leadership, but it does have results, versus the more logical, adequate leader 
did happen to lose when it came down to it. He just got Yoda got beat. Let's just be honest. Yoda got he got he got beat. A better man came along, which was the Emperor, and he beat him. Dumbledore is just the cleverest motherfucker in the whole entire world who leads children to die. <laughs> or the fact that he's so clever that he is like that he personally enabled two Nazi uh two quasi Nazi wizards. Not quasi him and Grindelwald. Complete. I Nazis. mean, because they, I mean, and, the, it's, it, and then this movie is so on the head that even the German minister of magic is like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, this guy's completely innocent of the crime. It's like, there's what these dudes were there. Like, it, I, did you even talk to anybody in America? They were there. Like, they killed their his people. Like, you got something to buy in America. Did you just see the title of the last movie? <laughs> you, yeah. you made the title the of the last movie. What he did. <laughs> It's like, oh no, he's innocent. Like we're nowhere. And the the worst part about it, they got the dude from from Dark, the dad from Dark. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Magnus, as the, mm. the German prime minister of, ma- of magic. And it's like, oh yeah, this dude's definitely gonna be a bad guy. Um, <laughs> it's because he's German. I'm gonna probably go with Yoda. I, I would think at the end of the day, I, I, and I hate Dumbledore. Let's, let me put that out there. And I love Yoda way more than I, than I love Dumbledore. But I think Yoda's inadequacy came from the simple fact that, like, at a certain point as a leader, you got to trust your guns. And as a leader, you didn't they trust knew they suits. shouldn't have trained Anakin. They knew they shouldn't have trained Anakin. And they knew it up and down. But they got swayed because Qui-Gon's death. And he was like, ah, I guess in order of Qui-Gon, we'll let you do this. I said, like. He should have stuck to his leadership and what his gut said, and maybe the universe turns out a lot different because he doesn't have uh, Vader. But so. let's be honest. Are you going to say no to Ewan McGregor if he's looking you in your eyes? I'm not going to say no to Ewan McGregor if he's looking me in my uh, eyes. I might. <laughs> if, I have a, if, I, if I have a history of knowing that Jedi to get trained later, go a little psycho, yeah, I'm probably going to say no to him. Like, No, we didn't think psycho enough to kill the whole thing, but psycho enough that we knew that this is why we get him young. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, sorry, but it's a rule for a reason. We've gone through this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially since, uh, like, at that point, like, no one's like, did no one go to buy his mom out of slavery? Like, we have like all the resources. Like, no, who whose job was that? <laughs> like, who let that one slide? Nobody bought his mom out of slavery. <laughs> Nobody realized that it was a financial burden being ripped away from the Jedi that was getting paid. Some people to make clones, and nobody was checking the books to be yeah, like, no one's checking the "Why books. does lump sum of money just keep going out the door?" <laughs> and then when the when the fucking bag, the, the guy who cloned who got your clones from, was like, "Oh yeah, I'm actually uh fucking with that dude over there who's your bad guy." You're like, "Time out!" <laughs> right, 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 right. I know we don't <laughs> got nobody to fight for us, but <laughs> maybe we shouldn't use these guys. <laughs> but you know what? It's the flaw of the Jedi because. The Jedi look at when a person turns to the dark side, they become a completely different person. I yeah. feel like in their mind they believe that because he's like, yeah, such such set this up. And he's every like, time- I think he's, a, he's like Count Dooku when he's like, oh, you well, mean he was Dark <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, he was a like, good guy. Dr. Randall's on the other hand. That guy's it, it, even, it even goes to like the new hope. He's like, yeah, yeah. Vader was killed by if your father was killed by Dark Vader. And it's like, well, uh, from a certain perspective, he did kill him because the man known as Anakin Skywalker ceased to exist. Like, no, right. that's not how that's not how that's shit that. works, Obi. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the point. It's like once you turn to the dark side, they're like, oh, he dead person. to us. <laughs> New Sith. 
Where did this Sith guy come from? Oh, don't you remember? Shush. We don't. Speak <laughs> I don't his remember name. nobody. He died, name. In, he, he died in battle. That's as far like as his driver license says his same name. <laughs> <laughs> he literally no, is looking at you, people. and it's his eyes turn red and his lightsaber turn red. That's the only difference. I don't know what you're talking about. This is a completely oh, different shit. human being did right you, here. Did you follow the dark side? Ah, oh, fuck. We done fucked up now. Shouldn't have trained him. <laughs> Uh, can we make a listing that this Anakin Skywalker died? And who, who's your <laughs> new name? Darth Vader. Uh, Darth Vader somehow just came on the scene. Yeah. Kill Anakin. Put that in the books. Thank you, guys. Uh, where are you from, Darth Vader? <laughs> oh, uh, Tatooine. Oh, cool. That's uh, that's where the other guy was from. <laughs> Actually, I guess uh, Darth Vader would say he's from uh, whatever that fucking volcano planet is. Was it Mustafar? Or Mustafar. Or? Mustafar, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Well, enough about the shenanigans of Star Wars, because uh, we can... I mean, how's all the things that we love just go this bad so quickly? <laughs> well, if you oh, on, a, right. on a long enough timeline, all your heroes turn, you know, to bad guys. Oh, Especially if you're going to bring moral complexity into things, like George Lucas is like, no, they're good guys versus the bad guys, all right? Right. <laughs> all right. The journey of a street smart teen whose life is forever transformed when he moves from the streets of West Philly to live with his one relatives race. in one of LA's healthiest suburbs. Guys, if you don't know what that is, that is the storyline for Bel Air, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air's reboot, recast, re remake, sequel. No, there you uh, go, it's, remake. It's uh, well, it's not even it's not a re because it's a re it's a reconceptualized. Okay, we'll no go with that. You know, Fresh Prince was a sitcom. This is a dramedy. Okay, we'll this go with that. All right, what's in this review of season one of Bel Air, Jason? What do you have for me? Jesus, I had to come with in West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> my God, <laughs> I spent most of my days. I love this show. That's it. <laughs> All right, my what's in this review of this show is um. Will Smith slapped me with the ending of this show. Because the character in the movie show is called Will Smith as well. So, okay, it's not, not the one that got Chris Rock, but the guy. Okay, all right. <laughs> Jason, would you like to begin or would you like me to begin with you this? You go one? ahead and begin. I like to see okay. your thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah, so I, my only real, like, this show is really good. It is, it's a really good show. My only real critique on this show, because I wanted to keep it short and simple for this, is that I think they rushed a lot of the storylines that could have been uh, season full storylines that could have been very good to delve into the complexities of. Uh, I mean, from Ashley's storyline, they kind of pigeonholed in. Uh, the conversation with Carlton and some of his anxiety issues and what that led him to, that could have been there. Hell, Joffrey and Uncle Phil possibly murdered a man. And we don't talk about that <laughs> at all for the rest of the night. Like, it's completely just forgotten that he possibly murdered time a man. Out, time out. Uncle Phil don't know. Jeffrey just murdered a man. <laughs> Once again, but this, this is completely wiped away. Maybe season two they pick some of this stuff up. But I did have an issue with that because I felt like near the end near the end of the season, they were trying to make drama just for drama's sake because you burnt through a lot of good storylines that could have had a lot of meat on the bone that you could have stretched out, but instead you went through I know when we reviewed some of the first couple of episodes, but my biggest critique then was like, I don't know how they're going to make Carlton a forgivable character that Will and him could become friends with. Uh, I take that back. They they did a really good job of that, almost mm -hmm. to the point that I was like, 
man, they reformed that supervillain Carlton very quickly. But how they did it was so smart. They did it with challenging Carlton's blackness. And that was something I thought that was a very like, difference between the Carlton in this one versus the one in the original series is that in the original series, Carlton never had any illusion about where he stood with his blackness. This one felt like he had no illusion about it. But then as the creeks in the, 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 the foundation started showing up, you started realizing that he did have some insecurities about his blackness. But not even that, like the way they use his 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 addiction to a degree to make him vulnerable, which allowed him to open up because, you know, Will caught him in a vulnerable position where he needed Will's help. And I thought that was very smart. It was a very smart way to do it. And even when that moment happened, they didn't become immediately friends after that. They still had some friction. And you could see every episode, the friction let off more and more. That he realized that, like, this dude ain't really my enemy. My enemy is the personal demons I had. It just kind of manifested when he showed up because I was no longer the, the cool black kid. I was no longer all the things that I was before because Will kind of took that spot. So it was more became Carlton's uh, more of an internal thing that I thought was pretty dope. It humanized him more. It made him, you actually felt almost sympathetic for him to a degree um, when you get to that point of it. But that being said, I'm going to jump to just the thing that, you know, everybody going to talk about and we, we, we going to keep it a buck here. Can we just give Marlon Wayne some flowers too? Matter of fact, let's <laughs> give Marlon Wayne's a round of applause. You had Look, that teed up already. <laughs> oh, I had it ready. Look, I know like you and you probably would talk about it. When he strolled up in there, it's Lou. I rolled my eyes. I was like, oh man, why they cast him here? Because I'm thinking if I cast a notable guy for this role that we know is going to be despicable. So mm -hmm. why cast somebody? So I'm like, okay. But I never have doubted Marlon Wayne's ability to act. I just thought that him putting in there will be say make people think Marlon Wayne's rather than Lou. But when I tell you that first interaction with him and Viv, I was like, man, Lou on one, man. What Lou up to? Like, I, I forgot it was Marlon Wayne's. I started calling him Lou. I'm like, what is he up to? <laughs> when they get to that him and Will thing, and as a guy who I didn't have my father around, and I don't even really know my father, so just full disclosure, the Fresh Prince episode initially with Will, about to go with his father, his father bells on it. Like, that makes me cry every time. When it's a clip on Facebook, I can't watch it. Because I'm saying, like, literally, guys, I have, I have tears coming down my eyes because I is my insecurity is around my father. I do have that question of why he doesn't want me or why doesn't want to be with me or be around me. How can you have a, a child in this world and not want to be involved in their lives? Especially when I became a father, I can't imagine a day, a moment, a life that I don't vehemently want to see my children. So that the initial one always, always kind of got me. This one got me in a different way because this one, and this is a universe where it's like, well, what if I did meet my father? And what if we did have to have a conversation? We got to sit down. The anxiety I felt when they first see each other, you can see that's the anxiety Will has. You can see that's the stress on Will. And then that little bit of communication stressful. But then it got to a point where it's like they started vibing. And even I'm like, yeah, I can see that because now you're starting to talk about experiences and old memories, whatever you had. and all this good stuff here, and you're like, man, okay. But then, once Marlon Wayans <laughs> dropped that nigga, bruh, <laughs> everything in me, yeah, look, 
it's I like this one better than I like the original Fresh Prince version. This is a wow. It's just an emotional scene, and like it adds so much gravitas to the whole series that they did it this way, how they handled it, from Will's reaction, from even another great thing is to lose reaction after Will storms off. Like you can tell you're not dealing with the kind of man. You, you know, excuse me, let me change that. You could tell you're dealing with the kind of man that would leave his son. Because I don't think any father, after what you put your child through and the trauma your child has and how he reacts, would say the statements out of his mouth after his son leaves. And even when Phil and him were like, nah, calm down, let him calm down, you don't mean blah, 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 he still shifted the blame on Will. Like, it was Will's fault that this all thing had went. Like, it was very psychological for me to watch this scene and go, Man, he still doesn't even get it. He still doesn't even get why Will reacted the way he acted. He still doesn't even get why Will wanted to see him but don't want to be close. Like, it's so much going on in that, that scene. For me, like, regardless of what we want to say about the series, that whole run on those last episodes is just, it's it's great TV. It's mm-hmm. great TV. And it's great TV with people that look like us that ain't on some coon stuff. <laughs> and I, I, I was here for it, man. Um. I'm gonna let you go ahead. I mean, my bad. I, I was gushing too much, but go all right. <laughs> I mean, I, I you you hit it on the nail. You had the head on the nail right here. Like, I love this show, man. This every single episode for me has been like not only has it been like nostalgic just to like remember like when you were watching the rest original Fresh Prince, but it also took to another level, like, you know, in the original Fresh Prince, it was fun, it was light, even the 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 uh, episodes that were, you know. Uh, more serious, it was always like, these weren't really my experiences. Like, I enjoyed watching it, but like, this is a TV show, right? Right, right. For this one, it's like, these are real people, right? These aren't just characters on a show. These are people. And some of these people, you know, like, there are definitely things here that, you know, that related to me, particularly. Mm-hmm. And like, in their thoughts, feelings, you know, struggles. Like, I can relate to that. You know, um, I do un- I know my dad, but, you know, our relationship hasn't always been great. You know, my parents got divorced when I was a child, so he wasn't really, like, an everyday presence in my life. He was only, like, a once-a-year presence in my life. So, you know, especially as I grew older, you know, there was a lot of, you know, questions and friction and, and, and self-doubt, and you know, and I related to a lot of of what Will was going through with with Lou, but I could also kind of see like how Lou thought he was trying to do what was best because mm-hmm. of his 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 own nature, his own toxic nature, but also thinking that like he needed to get his life together in order to, for him to like even approach his son. So like I I totally like like that whole entire thing. Like yeah, I was that definitely hit me on an emotional level. But even like with Carlton, like. I was that kid. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like people will tell you I was, I was that kid. And it's like, that is a whole nother struggle that, you know, that even Will could not really understand because that wasn't his life experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot, and it's it's a lot harder for people who have grown up in primarily, you know, black neighborhoods to understand how a person can act like that or think like that or let those things slide when, you know, you have been surrounded by like people who look like you, <laughs> you know? Right. And when you're right. in a, in a situation where you're just like, not only do, 
these people don't look like me, but I want friendship and companionship and to be accepted and all that other good stuff. You're going to let things slide or let things happen that probably no respecting black person will let things happen, will slide or happen. Right? Well, I would say no respecting. I would say, like all things, I mean, like you said, it's a fit in factor, but also it's a certain factor of even in that scene when Will makes a fuss about it. It's like seven jokers about to jump on Will. Like, yeah. So it's not even like, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, especially if you are like, you know, Carlton's not a big dude. I was not a big dude, you know, like. I could like I, you could be one of those kids who fights like you know my brother Ali was always getting in fights you know in high school and shit like that and getting his ass kicked because he was not a big dude like that is one way to respond it or you can just respond the other way and just like let it let it slide and hopefully you know you get through it or whatever so like a lot of Carlton's like whole storyline of the anxiety that he was feeling of 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 trying to live up to expectation of his of his father trying to live up to expectation of his peers. And all that other stuff, like, I felt a lot of that stuff. You know, I felt, like, his pain. And even though, like, a lot of his choices, personally, I wouldn't have made, like, I understood, like, like how he can make those choices and where those, those choices come from. So, even to me, like, yeah, he was definitely a super villain at the beginning of this. It was like, I knew, like, you know, this is how Canon's Owens are made, man. <laughs> like, they have to make yeah, these compromises, yeah. and it's a slippery slope. You know, because I was on that slope, and if I hadn't, like, you know, changed my mindset, I'd be out here wearing MAGA hats going, you know, them niggas out there are crazy. They're the ones fucking up. (laughs) Be straight Uncle Ruckus. (laughs) Straight Uncle Ruckus. Maurice used to call me that shit all the time. He used to call me Uncle Ruckus all the time because I'm like, don't trust them new ninjas (laughs) over there. So like yeah, even though yeah, the, your critiques of like you know they kind of like gave Ashley a, the the short shrift on this, uh, and you know they kind of you know totally gloss over the fact that you know Jeffrey might have killed a dude, <laughs> but even well, then like at least set it up, at least set it uh, up. at least set him up or something like that. But even though like the whole like conflict, and I kind of did not like the conflict between Jeffrey and Uncle Phil, uh, but like drama for the sake of drama. Yeah, but I kind of like I knew that was kind of like kind of what was going to be happening because they were a little bit too buddy buddy to be boss and employee, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like eventually, like, especially if you pull in the if you got the, the money, you're gonna be like, dude, you my dude. You and the other way around. <laughs> so like wow. what it was it? Everybody wanna hold the whip. <laughs> so like I I can understand where that's coming from, even though I'm like, man, Uncle Phil, y'all should have done that to Jeffrey, man. He's He's been down for all y'all. So, like, this Absolutely. dude had someone killed on your behalf. Let's get that, get well, that hold on. Even so down that even in this moment where he could be petty was like, tell everybody I went on vacation. Like, yeah. the protector, like, like yeah. he still was looking out for He's, them at the very last yeah. moment. Like, oh, man, Jeffrey in this fucking show is, in my mind, fucking best. <laughs> like, I, mean, I need me and Jeffrey. That's the spinoff we need. We need the, yeah. the prequel with Jazz before he yeah. meets Will. Then we need the Jeffrey spinoff for when he leaves them. And what does he go yeah. get into? He's like, going on adventures like fucking Alfred Pennyworth. Right, fucking, he's living like right. spy shit. Well, that Bruce. Jeff, this Jeffrey is just like, dude, suit game on point, fucking badass. I wish I could be like this dude. Like, I'm not from Jamaica and I don't have a great British accent, but that dude's fucking awesome. Uh, Even I felt like the Michael Early 
Vivian thing was wrapped up way too quickly. I feel like that could have yeah. slow burnt a lot longer and been a lot doper. Yeah. And like also it's a little weird that she's like, Yeah, I'll still hang I'll still work with you, even though I know you're trying to fuck me. <laughs> but I feel like a, a woman's used to that. I mean, almost every dude should yeah. you know. I guess I guess especially that's, I mean, look at look at unviv too. I mean, God, how can you not man. try? Uh, you gotta shoot a shot, bro. Like And then also in the show, they brought back uh Aunt Viv too. And original uh, Will Mom for a little yep, cameo, yep, yep. cameo guest spot, guest spot <laughs> on that, which was uh, it was heartwarming because you know it was like two older black ladies, and she was like, "I didn't expect y'all to be here," and it's like we mm-hmm. we didn't expect you to be here. So uh, I love this show. Like I can't say enough good about it. You know, the only thing the- that set season one more on fire is that they could have gotten uh, Jennifer Lewis to come back and play a cameo role as well. Yeah, Jennifer Lewis was the other sister, the other aunt as well. Yeah, uh, the other um, aunt. You know, yeah, their yeah, third sister. Right. For those who don't remember, because yep. <laughs> there's three of them, not just two. Well, uh, four. Well, there's four of them. Yeah, yeah. Because remember the one that marries the white guy. Yeah, that was the youngest. Sister, one then it was. Yep, yep. Unviv, Will's uh, mother, and then the uh, Jennifer Lewis's character was an aunt yeah. as well. But uh, even with all the the like, there's some hokey drama in this. A drama for drama's sake. A lot of it is so still, it's just so so real that like it just it just resonates with me on so many levels. So I I love this show. I can't. I I hope season two just keeps it up, but it probably won't because nothing lasts forever. It probably won't. No, 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 no. <laughs> what do you give your next season? They're gonna be rap songs and and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and let's. I mean, let's give also let's give Jabari Banks like applause because like oh hundred percent. He is just. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the button. Give, give. Because he <laughs> is just. He is enough like the ori- original Will Smith without the slapping to be familiar, <laughs> but also put so much in it of himself in it that it's just. He's a breath. He's a breath of fresh air. It. Or fresh Prince air. I don't fucking. <laughs> yeah, he's just great. This role is as as well. I I love him, and I love yeah. his charisma. I love his charisma. That like yeah. you said, he can bounce between the drama and the comedy easy. He's charismatic. He's goofy, but he's also serious. He's kind of a Mary Sue in this because he can do almost anything. He can give you a fucking good ass speech where he's wiser than his years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Play basketball. He's also like fucking a straight A student. You know, immediately picks <laughs> up the only other black person in the school. <laughs> Hold on, but do you feel like Will and this is almost magical Negro status? And I say this because it's he's like, pretty magical. Well, he's got excellent his own basketball too. player. Hold on, excellent basketball player. You find out he's like maybe he like won a math competition. It was oh yeah, he's like he's he's a straight yeah. A math student. Like, straight A yeah. student <laughs> plays the piano fluently. Reads like, like fucking <laughs> scholarly books, like right, and has right. he, he's not when he picks up a book in his room, it's not fucking Harry Potter or some some fucking YA <laughs> fiction. It's like you know, uh, uh, Ta- I can't even say Ty Ta- 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 is, uh, uh, you know, or or something else or fucking uh, what's the dude? Uh, you know, it doesn't yeah, he just has them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just like yeah, and then he'd be he's like, oh, you like, haven't read, you know, fucking you like. Gwendolyn Books Poetry too. Oh, I love that shit. They just <laughs> spouts it off with some shit. 
Yeah, he is almost like magical Negro. Now, granted, I know the initial Fresh Prince, like he can play the piano and all that too. And I, I, I believe almost 100% Will Smith in real life plays the piano and does all that. So I get it, but it does in a I certain mean, borderline to be like, what is this? The original Will that? Smith was an idiot, though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if you brought up something like he'd be like, I don't know what that is. That's a white shit. And make a joke. Da, 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> This kid's All like right. a fucking super genius. All right, what are we giving? What are you giving a uh, rating? Are you giving a fresh prince of? Uh, sorry, Bel Air. Ten out of five. Keep it up. Hey, <laughs> I'm um four point eight out of five because again, I think some of the drama for drama's sake, which I enjoy, it could have we could have left some of it out and, and really focused on some of the stuff because there's some powerful themes in here. Uh, youth sexuality, uh, sexuality for black women. Mm-hmm. Um, addiction with anxiety and depression. Like, how does that the, the new oh, you know, it's a lot of little layers they put in here, and I don't know if they don't feel like they're strong enough to handle the subject matter, or they don't feel like they could do it appropriately, which if they feel like they can't do it appropriately, I'm fine with them leaving it alone, but putting the message out there. But I feel like you give us these little moments, and I'm like, I really wanted them to sink their teeth into it. Kind of almost like the next show we're about to talk about. The next show we talk about sinks their teeth into a lot of Awesome. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of shit. <laughs> okay, with that being said, the second season will detail the brand new life of Keith Knight now that he is a well-known artist and activist. Though Keith always wanted to be taken seriously, he finds that his fame may be a bit more than he can chew, especially now that everyone seems to want him to speak out about every topic. Once more, his rise in popularity is causing him to be hyper-analyzed by all. How in the world will Keith handle the constant pressure? Will he rise above it all, or will he buckle under the weight of it? That is the <laughs> synopsis of Woke on Hulu Season 2. Go ahead, Jason. Let's get a one-sentence re- uh, review of Woke Season 2. Well, I'm awake now. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. My one sentence review is being woke is stressful AF, but I want them corporate dollars, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> corporate dollars. They matter. <laughs> right. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to jump right into this one while the water's still warm. I like woke season two, and I like woke season two more than I like season one. I think season one is way more streamlined. It's easier to jump into and digest. What I love about Woke Season 2 is it, and it's just personal for me, is it asks a lot of questions that me and my friends talk about a lot. Like, I have a lot of buddies that don't trust no activists, that don't believe in no activist plight. Like, they are pretty much dismissive of any black activists altogether. They think it's always a hustle or it's a con job. They're not really for the cause. They are here to make money. And watching Woke Season 2, when it came on, I had to go hit my buddies up and be like, hey, y'all got to watch Season 2 because it deals directly with that, what it means to be an activist when it's black. How does it? How do you become authentic as an activist when it, when it comes to being black? Um, how do you do this without any equity? You know, how do you make this all happen if you don't have money? And then if you do get money, who's the right people to take money from? Is it okay to take money from a place that you know really don't care about you? but wants to use, quote-unquote, the wokeness to promote their brand, but also they're giving you money so you can do good. Like, it's all just a 
just a blender of questions of uncertainty because a lot of the issues that goes on in the black community is an equity issue, not an equality issue. Mm-hmm. And so without equity, we're putting these conundrums of how do we make how do we work to get everything that we want for our people, but have to do it quote unquote the right way. And I like Ayana's version of it where she was quote unquote in her mind doing it the right way, but didn't have the equity. And then when she even tried to go get the equity, she got it from the people that she didn't think were the right type of people to get the equity from and almost like almost messed up her back because she was so in her feelings about who were reading, who, what the people were that were reading her paper. And it's so much that goes on in this series, in this eight episodes that I thought was beautiful. And I love that they don't answer all the questions. Now, I do hate that the ending is like, ha, 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 she kind of was a supervillain all along about what she was doing. <laughs> but even what she doing was like, from what the words out of her mouth in the show was like, hey, I want everybody to have access to the internet. And she f- just did it in ways that we probably all wouldn't agree to how she did it. But mm-hmm. I guess the part of it was like her heart was in the right place. Just the execution of how she got it, we felt like was uh, immoral or unethical. Um, the I mean, she even says it like, like we can't mm-hmm. be, we can't, you know, do these things unless we make money, you know, in order to do these Absolutely. things. So we had to sell something. <laughs> so. Right, 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 right. Uh, the side characters. Uh, Clovis needs his own series. Oh, Just Clovis gonna give his good. own series. He's hilarious. His <laughs> his relationship uh, with hype. It's something that I could watch a whole series of by itself. <laughs> and it could just be about black men and their insecurities when it comes to dating in this new world where, like, what we look as cliche black dating is no longer the norm. I can mm-hmm. see a whole show of that and, and be here for it. And it could be hilarious. Uh, my homeboy from uh, Workaholics, Blake I enjoy, Anderson. Yeah, I, I enjoy what he adds to this. I don't think they got to give him something to do. They have the they, they kind of guy. Yeah, but and I agree. And I think that's great because we finally get one of those rather than the reverse. But I feel like they were hitting on something when it came to him not knowing where he stood as an ally in this whole juncture with keeping all of them and Ayana. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the, the washcloth you watch like yeah, that gag is great. Uh, <laughs> that was such a good one. I was like, oh <laughs> but I hate that like they could have used that angle. And they totally abandoned it at the black dude talked to him in that back room, which was a great moment. Which was <laughs> don't ruin this for me, man. <laughs> well, they pay him money, <laughs> right? You know what? In parallel, when I saw that moment, you know what it made me think about? I go, man, this is the more level down version of Atlanta. It's not mm-hmm. the highbrow version I think Atlanta's become, especially Atlanta's become now. Because even that moment with that brother mirrored a moment for me in a new season of Atlanta where the dude was like, man, he's going to keep paying me to do this stuff. They've been taking from my culture for free for so long. It's okay that we just robbed them. Like, of, like he was creating <laughs> bullshit art, but the, the white dude was like, this must be the new thing because it's hip black guys doing it. And he's like, man, don't mess up my hustle. Like, they, they could pay us now for some bull. They're like, that it was a great be. moment in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, it was a great moment in Atlanta. But I love this moment even more because it was like, hey, look here, bro. I'm going to get... I'm I'm trying to get this going. I'm trying to get this popping, bro. Like, don't come in here messing this up with your woke. I need you to leave. As a white ally, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. They don't need so, to be allies. I'm just keeping them here. <laughs> right, right. 
And so, like, I did, but I feel like they got to give him. I thought it was a good threat. They were giving him, and they just abandoned it after that moment, which I thought was better. Um, Clovis's father coming. Great episode. <laughs> Probably the best episode of the series. Yo, it's so hilarious. <laughs> right? <laughs> Your name is Keith. What's your mama? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so good. Um, but going to the main point of this is, the, the beauty of this series, I think, especially in season two, it it shows that the complexities of being a quote unquote activist, it it's hard, man. And it's even harder because our people, and I know a lot of the times the, the conversations were coming to him from people that didn't look like us, but I think that was intentional. And I think the conversation, those people were just the avatars for us. Because again, I argue this time with my friends all the time, where whether it's BLM or a thousand, you know, black men, whatever organizations, blah, 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 every time something happens, they're like, well, why weren't they there for that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that ain't their goal. That's not their purpose. You don't ask the breast cancer people to march for the brain cancer people. Like, it, it, it's you in different lanes, but yet whenever something happens in our community, if every activist ain't there, it's like, oh, oh, you sold out. You ain't about to cause. Like, it's always a, a put down when our people try to be Almost, almost fight for our rights to be lifted up, and I hate that. And I hate that that's a narrative for us, especially with the latest thing with BLM with the houses and all. That. I hate that yeah. it's always a narrative for us. But this show, I think, encapsulates for all my naysayers about the activists. This show shows how hard it is to do that and be authentic and be real. The only person and that was also an activist feed that was, yourself, <laughs> right, right. And the only person that was an activist that was unscathed was the little girl. Like she's a little because girl. you ain't gonna go go at a little eleven year old girl. You're not gonna go at her head, and, which that dark noir segment was. Oh my goodness, masterful. that was that masterful. was so painful to watch. <laughs> it's so much good stuff in this season too, and I'm gonna end it there. Good, Jason, you can tell me what you think about it. I I loved it. I loved fact, it. You come from a long line of coons, jigaboos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I know about that. I know about that uncle. See, he did something good. But then, <laughs> then he so sold it. <laughs> so good. And so good. That scene is so good, but it's also indicative of how we, if you don't have the right credentials in that space, you you are torn down. I definitely in that in that moment know how knew how he felt when it's like one time, and this is a personal story. Because that Papado hang, you know, hanging out, and they were talking about, you know, something about dating you know and i went in to to add my two cents it's like no shut up jason you just date white girls you you don't got nothing to say i was like they don't even know me (laughs) they don't even know me like that it's but yeah another white yes but (laughs) (laughs) but we ain't dating so i don't know what y'all fucking talking about (laughs) don't worry i used to get that all the time too i used to get that in Hold on, I used to get it so bad being in a all black school, dating nothing but black women, being like, "Oh, you ain't gonna do nothing but date white women." Ain't no white women in this school. What are y'all talking about? But it's the stigma of you speak too clean and properly, yeah, and you carry yourself with dignity, which I think is such a crazy thing that our culture doing those things promotes you to be, "Hey, you're gonna get." And then I guess it was a self fulfilling, uh, you know, self fulfilling prophecy because you know, lo and behold. But go on to continue. Now you married to one. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> this show, yeah, as you said, this show works on so many freaking levels. Uh, it is a funniest shit. Uh, there's mm-hmm. things that here that just made me just crack a lot laughing. Um, 
I was kind of worried, especially when I started the season one uh, a week ago, that it would rely too much on his trauma as being beaten up by the cops. But that was only really like the catalyst of what the show is really about, which is about activism and, you know, how that affects a person who is trying to, you know, authentically make change, but does not really know how to really go about it. And also, you know, do things, as I said, like maintain a life and, (laughs) you know, maintain your own happiness, maintain your sanity. This shows really a lot about like uh, mental health in a way, uh, Mm -hmm. as well as about, you know, just activism and in the post-capitalistic country that we're in. Uh, Yeah, there are a lot of great ideas here. A lot of them, you know, uh, they don't really have to explain it fully because they just, you know, just let it out there and just let it just leave you with a question without having to prophetize about what the answer is to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely like Ayana's journey because, you know, at first she was the more authentic activist writing her newspaper, you know, and then when she realizes the... uh, capitalist portion of it that she know needs to pay a staff you know she needs to pay rent on her building you know mm-hmm. she she can't really uh continue this without revenue and and the fact that her revenue was coming from people that she didn't really necessarily think was her audience you know that did a lot to her own mental health and then to see you know someone who's as clueless as keith is because a lot of this time keith is as clueless as fuck mm-hmm. <laughs> Point about, a clue. He just don't. He just don't give an f about the clue. Like he don't care yeah. at all. I mean, and maybe the season one. Remember that the wallet he sucks it across the street. Like yeah. He... <laughs> yeah. And also, not only is he clueless, he's in many ways like self-sabotagingly like stupid at sometimes. And you see this guy get successful, you know, almost like falling into it while she's been struggling through it. That was definitely a, a major like hurdle to her 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 mental health, and like one of the, my favorite episodes was I think it's episode seven where she goes or episode eight where she goes to the hotel room and does mushrooms yep, yep. and has and speaks with uh, <laughs> the apparitions of uh, Colette Colvin, <laughs> Harriet Tubman's secret woman lover, yep. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember the other lady's name, but the lady who did the hair care products, and like. That shit's funny because it's like she is trying to decide like how she fits in and like the fact that she's been doing this has been like detrimental to her own well-being and like and that is like something like you know yeah you should like do this stuff but if you're not gaining happiness and doing and, and doing this joyfully like what's the purpose of really doing it right and then there's also even another level of this in which which was great is that <laughs> Claudette Coven's like, she was like, you were you were always a struggle. She's like, yeah, I was up for the struggle too, but I also made a, a good life for myself. Well, actually, mm-hmm. I have a good life because I'm still alive. Good Y'all life. know that, right? right? right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's part of the hell. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> Y'all know that, right? Which is very, very, a very telling line because this shit is still happening today. This shit did not go away 60 years ago. There are people who are still alive who are still who are a part of this stuff and it's like you talk to like especially millennials but even the people who are there they just pretend like oh yeah we had fucking civil rights movement it was all over blah blah blah, blah. that was a hundred years ago we just ago, had you know? Dr. King and we just had Malcolm X and they're dead now and nobody else is part of the movement so we're, yeah. we're aimless so you now you have <laughs> these fucking dudes uh these millennial fucking 
Republican conservative dudes walking on the Selma Bridge saying, you know, well, Dr. Martin Luther King wouldn't have done this critical race theory shit. And then telling fucking uh, his kids they don't know what the fuck he was talking. They're talking about like, what the fuck, dude? You're <laughs> that was a very telling line. It the stuff in this is is so poignant and it's and it works on so many levels. It is great. Um, even the, when the, he was like, this is conspiracy theory, but no, it actually turned out that they were <laughs> having 5G in the shoes. <laughs> It's oh, it's great. So it, this show's great. And I, I think the dude, what's his face? Um Lamar Morris, you know, the dude mm-hmm. from uh uh New Girl New Girl. Like he is probably the perfect guy to have have played this this character because he already has the stigma associated with him as an actor of being, you know, the token black guy. And then having this sort of show where he's like kind of navig kind of trying to navigate this 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 world of activism, but being completely and utterly brain dead about it. It just works on so many levels. It's great. Cloves is great. Fucking Gunther is great. Yana is great. Fucking hype is a new character is great. Like right. <laughs> this show is awesome. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's it's all right. I'm awake now. <laughs> I'm awake now. I love that. Jason, <laughs> what do you get? What rating are you giving woke season two? I'll get a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, it's uh, only 30-minute episodes. too short. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5, too. I think it's nearly perfect, man. I think it's a great aspectual look at our culture and what activism means, what it means to be activists, and et cetera. I thought it was great. Here's a side sideball question for you because I love to throw side questions at you. Um, more known for simping for white folks, Lamar or Sam Richardson? Ooh, see, Sam Richardson is currently still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> now, first, I want to say this: we're going to make a disclaimer here. We're not saying there's anything wrong with what they're doing. I love we're Sam Richardson. That, yeah, it's just there in a lot of movies where they had to simp for a lot of white women or white people in general. <laughs> but Sam Richardson is still currently doing it, even though I guess in this show, especially last season, uh, Keith was simple for some white women, but he started off. Well, light-skinned black chick, so. <laughs> Look, I'm going to go Sam Richardson, because, yeah, Keith was simping, but, I mean, that chick was fine. That's the That chick was fine as hell. <laughs> yeah, a zombie, and uh, she was a Power Ranger at one time, the chick that he was simping for in season one. But Sam Richardson, for one reason only, it's one thing when it's the AT&T chick. It's one thing when it's Britney Snow. It's another thing when it's, like, skinny Rebel Wilson now you simping for. Like, oh, yeah. No. The new movie that's coming out on Netflix later on this month or year. Like, I can't, we can't do that. Like, at least if you're going to simp, make it a high-class, fine-ass white woman. That even most brothers would be like, even the brothers like my friend that don't date any white woman be like, yeah, but I may, I may I'll lay that down. Don't simp for like a, a skinny Rebel Wilson. I'm sorry. That's what you yeah. went over the, you went over the deep end now. I'm sorry for all these people for who, who I don't want to body shame people, but Rebel Wilson was a lot better when she wasn't skinny. <laughs> Makes you care more like about being alive and spending her money now than actually. That's true, <laughs> but like now she just looks weird and it's and it's really off putting. And I, I'm not trying to body shame. I'm glad she's healthy. I'm glad she's living her life, enjoying herself. Shout out to her. Yeah, but she got a big head. Her head is too large for her body. All right, she's put twenty more pounds back on. 
I'm not going to say I agree. I'm not going to say I disagree. I'm going to say <laughs> good point. All right, let's go to the part of the show that everybody loves the most, the ending. Oh, I was going to say when we shoot. <laughs> oh, well, that, that, that's that's the other show, remember? That's the same oh, moment yeah. we got to have that Batman discussion. Uh, we have a lot of other shows we got to worry about. But, guys, thank you so much for, again, listening to the N-Word for Nerd podcast. As always, you can catch us in all the places that all the things that will show us are already at. Um, yeah, it was a jam-packed show this week. Hope next week, hopefully, we're going to bring you some more goodness. So I think we got Nicolas Cage on tap next week. Um, I think we got um, Alexander Scarfgard on tap. The third best next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, facts. Um, and then we'll probably <laughs> find some other TV or funness to throw in there as well. Um, also, just a side note for Blackness, if you have HBO Max, don't check out The Batman because you heard our review after that movie. But uh, <laughs> uh, Rothan, it's a stand-up by Gerard Carmichael that is very, very poignant, very, very uh, – I don't want to say very, very funny. It's funny, but it's very, very insightful, and it feels like you're a part of the show when you watch it because it's very insightful. So check that out. Also, something coming up that I'm going to get Jason involved with, and I'm springing this on Jason because he doesn't oh, even God. know this. You ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Um, we're going to probably start, eventually start reviewing some here and there, some um, black graphic novels, black comics, oh, okay. black books by black authors or, or people of color. Um, cause you I can actually, review my I got, book once I get done with it. <laughs> I would love to. That would be a great moment of, of, of in word for nerd history right there. Tune in uh, 2025, so everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I actually brought the first volume, first two volumes of Black Sands. Is oh, one of yes. The, but yeah. So I have I it. I have a copy that. for you as well. So when it's time we meet up, we'll have a copy for you. you and then we'll love read, me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll read the first volume and we'll review that on the show because I feel like we need to give some more for the culture just rather than what we've already been doing. So. Yeah, that's going to come up soon for you guys, so be on the lookout for that. That will be on a separate thing. We'll probably record these shows normally and then just do a separate recording where we talk about books and stuff and graphic novels and stuff made by black Ooh. artists with black people involved. So The N-Word for Nerd Book Club. <laughs> I know. Oh, that'll be... Oh, you know what? Yes. Yes, <laughs> that is it. We will start that. So we're going to probably put on socials, maybe an announcement, links to where people can find the books we're going to read and have a date when we're going to review it. And maybe we do um, almost a watch party where it'd be one person watching us. But still, it'd be one person <laughs> that, that watches gotta, that probably read the book. <laughs> that means I got to learn how to read. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, well, you're an author, so that probably goes to territory. I'm, I it's can right. write. I don't know what I wrote down. You <laughs> said it has to go into territory. <laughs> I can only imagine a person that reads over your, your book and it's like, did you read this? Nope, don't know how to read. <laughs> how and to read. you wrote all of this? Well, Muhammad did not read either, and he wrote, you know. Yeah, he wrote the Quran. <laughs> figured the fuck out. I figured it out. <laughs> yes, I, I was graced by an angel to write what you're reading right there. So be light, be light. Uh, <laughs> I, I read it out of a yeah. hat. Picked <laughs> <laughs> out random words. You yeah. combine them into a story. Um, as always, Jason, do you have any final words for everybody? Uh, just be kind, be considerate. Uh, what Waylon said in in everything is just choose kindness, choose kindness, and always uh, 
tipier servers and bartenders uh, at least 20%, including Jaren. But you can also just, you know, spin Jaren's face as well. I love you, Jaren. <laughs> as always, guys. Man, it's your boy, Jim Shoot. Keep it the chip tube, but in your face. All right, man, we make art, we sell art. Thank you guys for watching this video. Just want to let you know that each and every video is sponsored by InYourFaceArt.com. You'll be able to check down the link in the description so you can see many of the artworks that we do, designs, t-shirts, posters, customization, all that great stuff. So thank you for joining us, man. Thank you for coming to watch this video.